are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5GUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Welcome, you have tuned in to episode number 412 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And you have tuned in to our deep dive episode, and today is a good one because we have the entire, well, I'm not sure it's the entire, but a a large portion of the creation and development crew of a project called WFU, which is, um, well, we're going to find out what it is actually, so I'm not going to go ahead and give anything away. We'll get to that. But before we do that, we need to inter- or introduce the people who are here, and uh, I guess the one that isn't, Cheryl, will be on assignment this time, W5MOO, but I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And uh, normally I'm the one who sort of takes the lead on these interview episodes, but uh, we're going to let Bill do a lot of the talking today, which is which is just great for me. It'll free up a bit of my Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, with that, we apologize for the fact that we had to uh, not record on our usual time, but some of the folks that we have in the chat with us tonight are uh, actually European, and therefore their times are a bit different than ours, so we had to record on a different day at a different time, but that's all right. We're going to go ahead and get to them, and I'm just going to let Bill start talking here. So uh, go ahead and tell us who we're talking to and what we're talking about. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, introduce who we have here with us today with the WFU team, and we'll start with uh, Elliot Liggett, uh, W6EL. How are you doing today, Elliot? Pretty good. Pleasure to be here. How are you? Great. And who do we have here with us uh, that you brought on to our call? We have uh, Phil Taylor, M-O-V-S-E, and we have uh, Roland Johnson. I forget his call sign, though. Let's see. What is it? <laughs> PA3MET. PA3MET, that's right. Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, fine here, too. Oh, great. So, uh, Elliot, we brought you on here, and it's kind of strange that uh, I already had this scheduled, and we received an email not not just a day ago, somebody saying, hey, you should really you know talk about this project called WFU. And I'm like, ha, we were one step ahead. <laughs> So, so uh, Elliot, well, uh, since you're the team lead, why don't you kind of uh, uh, give us a little bit of background information on you, and uh, maybe we'll pass it around to uh, to all the team to get a little background information on everybody, and then we'll talk about this uh, this project that kind of brought all of you guys together. So uh, take it away, Elliot. Yeah. Um, I guess I've been a ham since I was uh, in, in grade school in 1995, I think, actually. And uh, my dad's a ham, and, and my oldest son is a ham as well. So pretty nerdy group here. Um, been using Linux since 1998 with uh, Red Hat Cartman with the 2.2 kernel. And I just really, I like making stuff. I like talking to people on the air. I like DX. I like all the aspects of ham radio. They're all really fun, and it's sort of propelled me through life, uh, through college and uh, into my career, all those uh, connections I made uh, through ham radio. So it's been good to me. And I'm really enjoying uh, working on something that so many people enjoy. That's great. How about you, Phil? Uh, yeah, well, um, I, I'm similar to um, Elliot, really. I've been interested in, in ham radio since, well, since, a little bit uh, before uh, Elliot, as I'm a little bit older. But uh, since the 1980s, really, mainly my brother that got me uh, 
into it and uh yeah my it, it sort of has yeah really influenced a lot of uh, my sort of chosen career really as i went into electronics and then and then computing uh, so it's uh yes it's quite quite a uh a long-standing uh thing with me great great how about you Roland? yeah well i started in uh, 1983 or something and uh it was mostly because I did electronics and telecommunication at school. So it was uh, really nice to do these kind of things. At first, I was uh, doing illegal stuff and, uh, you know, most of the people <laughs> do it at some point. And uh, then I finally uh, thought it might be interesting to uh, make it more legal. So I did the exam stuff. So it's been uh, it's been a while. Time to go what legit. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we did... Um, I, we did forget, not really forget, because we did it. Uh, we talked uh, also with uh, for for Jim. Oh, he yeah. Was, he he wasn't in uh, because he had some issues with uh, the children to go to bed because it's uh, seven o'clock in the evening over here. So uh, Jim Nijkamp is also part of the uh, of the team, and he's called Papa Alpha Eight Echo. So uh, yeah, great. Well, now that we've uh, introduced the team, let's talk a let's talk a little bit about uh, what 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 brought us all here today, and uh, who would be the best person to tell us what this WF view is. I could take that one, although I think any of us could. <laughs> um, WF view started as just a, a way to get that gorgeous spectrum display off the seventy three hundred and, and onto a larger screen. And I was doing a lot of work with uh, the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts at the time with Jamboree on the air. And, of course, uh, ICOM sends out the 7300 to any of the, the scouts that want a radio to borrow for that event. And so I had this radio, and I said, wow, this is really cool. But everybody's crowding around this little, you know, four- or five-inch screen. No one can see it. And so we had to break them into smaller groups and such. But I thought it would be really something to get that onto a larger screen. So started picking away at the owner's manual, looking at the CIV section, and I, I got the, uh, the waterfall out. And that was pretty cool. And as I started fooling with it, I added a couple of controls, you know, mode and uh, frequency, that sort of thing. And I wasn't really sure where to go with it after that. It, it worked. Uh, it had limited scope, you know, but it was doing something. And then a few years later, uh, Roland and Jim contact me and, and they say, you know, we would really like to, to build something uh, for Linux that controls these fancy radios. And I showed them my project I was working on and we started doing it together. We added support for a number of rigs. And then um, we got Phil involved, and Phil has been uh, wonderful writing code for uh, the network and the audio stack. And you know, with all that work together, all the different radios supported, all the testing and the audio and the networking, it really has become a product uh, much more advanced than what I had anticipated at the beginning. Yeah, so this is, let's uh, just try to lay this out for our listeners here. So this is not only an interface application that allows you to view the waterfall. But this is also like a fully blown rig control program on its own that also operates the these radios, correct? That's right. I tried to make sure that uh, for this uh, first release candidate that we're going for, that we have enough controls to do a basic QSO on any of the common modes and bands. So that's correct how you said it. So if a user doesn't have let's say, or, or, well, they're using like Hamlib or, or, or FL rig in their stack, um, would they still be using that or would this program kind of super uh, take over that particular role? Well, it's interesting. Um, 
it does certainly um, provide the same kind of controls that you have with those programs, right? Mm-hmm. And our our software is compatible with them in the sense that we have ways for those programs to continue to operate with the radio while they run WFU. Um, does it replace them? Uh, it, it could, depending on what your workflow is, I think. So uh, does it? So yeah, let's get to. I guess uh, let's. I guess we'll just talk more about the application. <laughs> We're gonna get into the details. <laughs> so, just reading the copy uh, on your uh, on your website. So, this is over at wfu.org. So, you have a nice uh, landing page for the application and a and a GitLab uh, page as well. So, if uh, a user were to Google WFU, they would probably land on both. <laughs> but the web page is uh, definitely a great starting point. Um, it shows, so uh, let's see here, that WFU is a program that allows many modern ICOM ham radio transceivers. That's the one we're talking about here, the, the IC7300, the IC9700, uh, and uh, what you have the also the, uh, the 7610 and the R8600 are currently supported uh, to be controlled via your computer. Uh, 705. WFU, 705. The 705. Oh, yeah, the brand new one. Yeah, the little QRP rig. Uh, so that can so you can update that. Somebody can commit back and fix the website. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. There you go. There you go. Whatever display is connected, including projectors, touchscreens, and TVs, WFU allows for full radio control from a computer keyboard and basic control from a numeric keypad. And uh, it'll run even on, look at that, a Raspberry Pi up to a laptop and desktop. And we'll get to that eventually as well. So, uh, so yeah, these are all traditional USB uh, uh, carry the audio and CIV control information all over USB. So it's a one one cable connection. Um, and uh, I have actually uh, attempted this <laughs> on two systems, not in the normal supported list, <laughs> and uh, I didn't have much success actually getting it running. Um, but uh, I didn't give it enough time, I think. But uh, but the UI looks looks gorgeous. Uh, so kudos to uh, whoever did the UI stuff. And uh, maybe somebody can kind of walk us through uh, what a user would see because this is an audio podcast. We can't show them the screen, but uh, um, maybe uh, you can kind of walk us through exactly what the app uh, looks like and how you would interact with it. Uh, we'll start with you, Elliot, and you can pass it on to whomever. Yeah, sure. Um, I do want to note that it also works with uh, LAN-connected, Ethernet-connected radios quite well. Oh, and nice. we had a bug in the support code for the serial only radios that I squashed last night. So do a fresh <laughs> pull. You may see some better results. <laughs> so when you open up WFU and if you've got it already set up um, with one of these modern radios, you instantly see the waterfall display. And on the top, there is a little plot that shows you the current values. And then below it is the traditional uh, waterfall sort of history view of what you have seen. There's a cursor that shows you where you're tuned to. Uh, in the lower portion of the window, you can see all the common controls. And we start with uh, adjustments for the, the spectrum, if you want it fixed or center mode and what the span is that you'd like. Uh, we have frequency, frequency dial, which you can either move with your mouse or your scroll wheel. Mode selection, a uh, number of sliders for things like uh, the squelch and the volume and the transmission gain, transmit power, that sort of thing. You got the S meter, which is a, a pretty cool little widget there, which shows you the recent average peak and current values. And there's repeater controls too. If you press the repeater button, you can bring that up and it'll show you how to select a PL tone or DCS uh, duplex direction. 
all that sort of stuff. Um, and I should mention too that we've put in accessibility labels for all these controls. So if you're using a screen reader, if you're hard of sight, it will read out to you these controls pretty easily. You'll be able to navigate the radio. Um, under the band tab at the top, there's a, a tab selection. You can press band and then there's buttons for each common ham radio band. You can just click on them and go to those bands. Uh, the same goes for the frequency tab. You can click there, type in the frequency you want. Um, a lot of this stuff has keyboard controls too. So like if you have a numeric keypad, you can press the star key. It'll jump over to the frequency tab, type in the uh, frequency you want in megahertz and press enter and it'll jump over there. So that gives you a feature that the 7300 doesn't have, which is the numeric keypad input. But if you run WFU, then you can use your numeric keypad to drive the program around. Um, lots of little enhancements like that, that our team sort of looked at and said, well, we'd like to have that. And I think you'll see as, as you use the program and interact with it more that, you know, um, we're really just kind of building the program that we wish we had, you know, this is uh, something that we all want to use and we're trying to make it as, as friendly to use as possible. Yeah, and it definitely looks like you've taken to, into account a lot of usability in the uh, the interface, especially that view tab page. It's uh, uh, everything is pretty much right up front and and well labeled, <laughs> unlike a lot of uh, rig control uh, little pieces and software that you find all over the internet. And <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh, I have to enable a special sheet to get like my power level to show up or, <laughs> or some of the sliders to show up. So it's nice that uh, this has exposed pretty much uh, most of the, the tools uh, that you will need to use your radio uh, right up front. Obviously, it doesn't get into, you know, the million <laughs> different configuration options um, that you can find buried inside the uh, the CIV. Um, well, you know, that's well, interesting. Guess. We often uh, we struggle about how many controls to put on that first page because, like you said, there's so many that you can do, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. we put one on there and then we take it off later um, <laughs> because we, we want to give you like the most useful set right up front. Right. And we don't want to put too many, but uh, we don't want to leave anything out that people commonly tune while they're using the radio. So that's where user feedback comes in. I think I heard Roland say something there. Go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to say that not yet every, every part is in there, but uh, probably will, um, many of the features will be uh, actually incorporated, but this area uh, stated, uh, to keep a clean interface, we have to um, to make some uh, some layers in between, so different pop-ups and stuff. For instance, for the uh, what you see also for the repeater setup and stuff. Yeah, that looks that looks really good. So I don't see a split operation here besides just the standard uh, duplex and stuff like that. Is that how you enable using split? Yeah, true split. We'll have to add a control for that. Oh, okay, okay. So and RIT doesn't appear to be here either. It's it's there. It's just these screenshots are outdated. Oh, okay. I should launch it in my other my other computer. I'm just staring at the website, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, after we we get off the air here, I will send you um some information. You can log into my radio and try it out. The latest version. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome to check it out. Um, and yeah, funny you'd mentioned the uh the Boy Scouts. I I'm, the 7300 I have here is actually a loner station. There you go. So. <laughs> I actually had it loaned to me for a national jamboree that didn't happen on 2021. So uh, too bad for that. Uh, I just haven't sent it back yet. 
Hey, no hurry, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they say too. I think all of them are actually back at uh, ICOM right now. Probably all getting Flash because uh, they just had the firmware update on those. So, uh, yeah. So uh, back to this. So getting it set up. So initially, you have um, on the website you have a download to a pre-built binary. Uh, I see you have builds for uh, Windows, Linux, and uh, Mac OS. Um, I'm sure Mac OS users would probably ask if it works on the M1, but we don't really care about Mac OS. So. It does work now on the M1. Oh, okay. It Phil does work. That. Phil has been working tirelessly, and I, Phil doesn't even have an M1, right? So he's able to build a universal binary and send it out. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. So does Phil want to kind of talk about uh, anything special with the Mac OS build? Yeah, I one of the... <laughs> There's certainly been a few challenges with macOS because um, the underlying framework that we that uh, WF used developed in is uh, Qt. We have found that Qt isn't probably as stable on macOS as uh, as potentially on uh, other platforms. So it, it's certainly been a challenge, mainly w- with audio. We found that uh, getting getting the uh, consistent audio quality between all of the builds is. Uh, is an interesting exercise, really, uh, but hopefully that will uh, improve as we uh, as we move on. We're, we're thinking about maybe looking at other other audio libraries, um, which may may improve things as well. Yeah, yeah, because you got what uh, they're still using core audio for uh, for macOS, correct? Yes, yeah. Um, but Q, on Qt, it um, I think that I think that uses core audio as well. Yeah, um, use like a port audio, like shim or something like that to talk to the local yeah, sound yeah, system so. or something like that. An abstraction layer, we love those. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been I'm looking at RT audio, which seems to uh, have many of the features of uh, of core audio, but uh, a lot more lightweight. So that's uh, hope you know. Watch this space with that one, really. <laughs> So this app was uh, built in, uh, I'm assuming you can build it in Qt5 or Qt5. I don't want to say Qt because Russ will chime in here and yell at me. Um, <laughs> if you have if you have Qt4, will this still uh, will you still be able to build on this or do you need to have the Qt5 libraries? I don't think we've actually tried it on, uh, on version 4. <laughs> Just thinking of all the older yeah. Linux systems out there. Not something that I've, we've ever tried. I I think in theory it should work. I'm not sure that there's anything that we're using that's specific to version five, but uh, have you tried it, Elliot? I don't think I have. We've got some little minor things different between versions of QT5. So I assume QT4 will have a couple of those little things too. But I agree with what Phil said. I think there's nothing super specific to QT5 in here. And I, I say QT, I don't say cute. I don't know why. <laughs> version, version five is nine years old, I suppose, or nearly nine years old. So it's uh, is it really? Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, well, we're moving on to six, and that's where the license sort of splits. And yeah, I, I, we won't get into that mess. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I, I'd like to try and get get us over to six, but of course there are a couple of key features like um, oh, audio and serial that aren't actually in six yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I remember the the switch from four to five. It was very similar kind of progression. It took a while to kind of get everything uh, uh, where it needs to be. I got to add though. I mean, isn't it cool in, in this day and age that we can have one code base, right? And it compiles on three platforms. 
Yeah, that's 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 amazing. That uh, it always surprises me that uh, people forget to kind of start in a spot that uh, gives them that capability. I hadn't thought of it at all. I mean, I was just targeting Linux only because uh, you know there are some programs that do similar stuff for for Windows, and I I just didn't even think about Windows as a possibility. I don't run Windows anyway, so I can't test it that way. So I just <laughs> I developed it for for Linux, and uh, I was super surprised when Phil joined our project and said that he was actually doing all his work on Windows. I said, what? It works in Windows? I didn't even know that. Uh, Phil, Phil does Windows and Linux or Mac OS? He, what's, he what's does everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jack, jack of all trades, I think, is the... Uh, <laughs> I, I won't finish the uh, the saying. So <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and I did. Uh, I did pull down. I just looked at the test build for for Windows, and and uh, uh, you know, launched right away, no problems. Uh, I didn't connect it to the radio yet because it is the one that is connected to my microphone, so I didn't want to mess up my audio channels and stuff like that by plugging in yet another audio device to my computer that has twenty audio devices. So, <laughs> but I did. I did. Did give it the old kick the tires and look at it and stuff like that. So that's that's really great. So this project has been uh, been around for a little while. You guys, uh, Elliot, you started what in 2016? Yeah, that's correct. Although I, I moved at a snail's pace, you know, because uh, I'm a dad and I have a job. And I just can't, you know, work on it all the time. But then um, last December, I think it was, uh, is when we started talking with uh, Phil and, and Jim and Roland and it just took off. It had legs, you know, and that's part of the beauty of open source is you can put something like this out there and people will come to you and say, here's an idea. Here's a way we could do this. Here's something I tried. And you just don't get that in the, uh, the closed source arena. So it moved fast in the past couple of months, really fast. It certainly moved fast in the last couple of weeks, really, hasn't it? Oh yes, T- took us a little bit by surprise just how how quickly uh, everything took off. With, with just, uh, I think it was a small Reddit announcement that Elliot did, just inviting a few people to test it, and we created a test build, mm-hmm. um, and then we found that there'd been about posts on about ten different Facebook groups with uh, links to. Uh, to the website and so that's when we decided to create a groups.io group uh without realizing that it it becomes commercial if you have more than 100 members <laughs> which we did at, which we did in under a day <laughs> um, so we soon closed that and created our own small forum um i'll say small it's got over 200 members now as well so yeah it's amazing growth and uh well, I mean, you you look at the other option for uh, ICOM users, not to say anything bad about ICOM, but like, you know, you'd have to pretty much buy a RSBA1, right, to in order to <laughs> to get this sort of similar functionality, being able to pull that uh, spectrum scope out and uh, have full uh, rig control at the same time and be able to remote your rig. And it's, and it's Windows only. Yeah, and it's Windows only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which makes it completely useless for our audience, obviously, <laughs> and all those Mac users and stuff like that that are out there that just want to stay away from from Windows. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely see there's a there's an audience out there because ICOM is a is a, one of the big three vendors, and you know they sell a ton of these radios, especially the IC seventy three hundred, um, that is very popular. 
Uh, <laughs> and now it's, it's fairly inexpensive, uh, for most people to, to kind of get into. I think it's sub $1,000 now with, uh, rebates and everything else. I'm kind of concerned that it, uh, it's, it's just going to go away. <laughs> as long as there's not a chip shortage, we can, uh, we can get them. And we love these radios. I mean, they're so nice. They're so modern. They have so many features packed in. And uh, from a developer point of view, the CIV transport is really well documented. Um, and you can find that, you know, documents dating over 20 years ago that show almost the same structure for communicating with the radios. So there's, just, there's no reason not to try and support a wide range of radios when you're dealing with uh, the ICOM command set. Yeah, I mean, they picked a interface a long time ago and has stuck with it, and uh, it's great <laughs> that it's it's almost legacy, but it's continuing to uh, improve as every uh, new radio comes out with new features and they keep adding it. So, I mean, definitely kudos to uh, ICOM for <laughs> doing that, making it easier for people to to do third party applications for the software, even if they didn't intend it or not. <laughs> they probably just made it easy for themselves. Um, so, Roland, we haven't heard from you in a little while. Why don't you uh, give us some insight on what you're specifically working on in the project? Yeah, well, mainly I do uh, the supporting stuff, uh, bringing up uh, nice ideas and uh, trying to uh, to uh, slow down uh, both uh, Elliot and Phil sometimes <laughs> because they're very, very, very enthusiastic. And um, sometimes, um, yeah, well, sometimes we... we, we we get some bugs that we need to fix, and then I have uh, some time left over to uh, try to find it. I'm not as good in programming as uh, Phil and Elliot are. I can do small fixes, and hopefully that gets better soon, but uh, yeah, they, those guys are too fast. If I say, yeah, I see this uh, this issue, let me take a look at it, and before I uh, <clears throat> start looking at it, it's already being fixed. <laughs> 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 but that's not, that's, not, that's not bad at all. Um, you also mentioned, by the way, uh, about uh, multi-platform. Um, we are also looking into if it's possible at some point to uh, to create uh, uh, apps. And um, not sure if it will work, but um, at least we uh, it's, it's something we're going to take a look at it. So it would be interesting to have it on a, on a, on a tablet as well. And um, well, yeah, Android yeah. or or yeah, iPad exactly. or iPhone, yeah. yeah. And. Uh, Phil already had it on, uh, like you like you heard on with the screen, a touch screen, and uh, mm. that was very interesting to see. I'm not sure if you could transmit already on it, but uh, that might be something that uh, Phil can uh, can tell you. Yeah. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about the support since you mentioned that. Uh, are you guys currently doing support uh, through uh, Git 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 Lab or GitHub or whatever your yeah. Git Lab <clears throat> issues? Yeah, using we, the issue we use tracker for that. Yeah, we use uh, Git uh, Git uh, Lab for it, but we also use uh, the forum. Okay. We have uh, forum dot dot org. All the things we uh, pick up, we uh, also does that kind of stuff. But uh, as mentioned before, it's a little bit busy so uh, with those little kids. But uh, yeah. that's generally the place where we uh, put the, the stuff. Uh, um, and uh, if if it's really um, if if it's more a bug than uh, an issue like that, uh, you want to know how to to install or how to configure it, then it I think it's the best to uh, to use the forum. And if you have really have a bug or or even better a bug fix or a, uh, a PR and a pull request, then you you better go to uh, to the GitLab part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, so you're you're like the uh, the main triager, I'm assuming, like QA guy. Um, well, I, I hope I am, but that's <laughs> it's better to ask uh, Elliot and uh, and Phil about. Yeah, well, th- those guys are doing the the, the actual work, and I'm uh, overseeing it more, indeed, a little bit. Uh, Roland, you definitely get the the QA badge there. I mean, <laughs> I, I think you said it very well that your job is to slow us down when we're uh, adding things too fast. <laughs> Rowan's uh, very good at, at catching stuff. I mean, he, he catches all kinds of weird things that I, I wouldn't notice, you know. And uh, he's also very motivating when it comes to uh, getting things fixed up and uh, making sure the code in the master branch is working. So uh, that that's that's what he does. He does it very very well. He also does a lot of the documentation and a lot of the support stuff. Yeah, and that is a, that is a key to success of many software projects. And as a daily developer myself. Uh... <laughs> we really love our QA people and hate them at the same time. <laughs> it's like, hey, it works on my machine. You know, what are you talking about? It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, oops. oops yeah, I broke exactly. it for you. I broke it for you. Oops. Like, why are you using that workflow? That's not the intended workflow. Well, <laughs> add validation to prevent that, right? Yeah, that, I, that, those things are actually the ways to, uh, to find the bugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not yeah. using the workflow that's being intended to use, actually. Yeah. Yeah, just start clicking stuff. <laughs> well, I, I think that's often the problem with with, soft, with programmers that we write it in such a way, um, we know how to use it. So mm-hmm. um, we don't write we don't write it for people that don't know how to use it. So you, <laughs> if they, you know, well, what did you click on that button for? <laughs> yeah, of course, it will crash if you do that. <laughs> yes, and yes. That's that's where yeah, having somebody else that's that's not um as yeah not actually been physically written the uh the application is quite useful sometimes to be to be able to find these uh these bugs but it's also been very interesting the last few weeks with the number of suggestions we've had from people all over the world really with uh enhancements that they'd like to see and uh many of them we'd already thought of but a few that uh like, like Elliot mentioned earlier, the, um, we've had quite a few white stick operators who, uh, you know, who are very interested in the accessibility and being able to use it with a screen reader, uh, which mm. is something that we we sort of very um, keen to do and uh, to improve it as much as possible. Because I think that that's an area that none of the major manufacturers really focus on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true, and I'm I'm always keen to to attend conferences where they kind of talk about that accessibility uh, stuff. Cause it's not just uh, people that can't read. It's even like just visual stuff, you know, dealing with contrast between colors and your UI and stuff like that being, you know, allowing the most readability of the, uh, the actual application. And there's definitely a whole science <laughs> to, uh, to making your application accessible and not just, you know, having screen readers read it, but actually having humans read it, you know, with slight color blindness and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's great that you guys are kind of focused in and, and dialed in on that. Um, so let's talk, uh, let's, let's go back. I, I, I was going to ask, uh, when we were talking about the open source, uh, of the project, but, uh, Elliot, uh, why don't you tell us uh, which license this project is ran under? It's the, uh, GNU GPL. And I forget which version we picked there. Version uh, three. For version three. Okay, so yeah, GPL v3. So there you go. It's all open sourcey and everything else. And uh, 
at uh i mean obviously you guys are doing some daily builds and stuff like that uh what uh what quality of uh release structure is this is this uh are we like in the alpha territory right now or are we definitely into beta or do we have a ga kind of pinned out somewhere in the uh project milestones that's a that's a good question and we we had some discussion about that uh before coming on the air with you guys basically um I think overall that the program uh, is, is a little bit better than a beta and we're looking at a, a release on the 24th that we think will be usable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Some of the features, you know, that, that are rather new, like the, uh, the audio server and the CIV command server, that stuff may be considered alpha, I think. And the same goes for support with uh, older rigs that use only the serial port over USB. Uh, Phil could tell you more about the, the level of, uh, excellent on the the audio and the, the CIV. It's, it's quite good. I mean, I've been running my 7300 over the network using uh, filled code with WFU for about four days now continuously, and mm. it's working perfectly for me. So I think it's pretty good. Well, go ahead, Phil. Add to that. Yeah, I, I'm just always hypercritical, I suppose, of, uh, <laughs> of my own work. But yes, it, it's uh, most of the testing that I've done, it's seem, it seems pretty stable, but... Uh, it's, it's like we were just saying before, uh, I'm trying to think of all the possible uh, situations that could arise with um, disconnection and uh, network failure and things to make sure that it stays as stable as possible and, and reconnects and recovers um, properly. Uh, and so far, it's good. But yeah, I, I, I said I wanted to say it was alpha quality at the moment, but uh, <laughs> it's probably... Everywhere. Yeah, it, it's probably between between alpha and beta somewhere <laughs> ah that's that's good i mean you know hey <laughs> we're, we're before a, a 1.0 release for sure yeah is yeah. what we're all saying so and that that's really that's really great and as as far as it looks right now it's it's definitely looking looking good man so your timeline shows that you're you said you're gonna have a release uh coming up here for some kind of numbered release <laughs> That's that's the stated goal, and uh, I think we're close. You know, we've uh, we've decided to put a freeze on features. There's plenty of features we can add, and we've got great feedback from the community about things that they'd like to see. But uh, for now, um, I'm really focused on just squashing the bugs people come up with. And the mailing list has been been great for that. The forum, um, we've had all kinds of interesting feedback about things that have worked and not worked. What Phil's doing, the uh, audio and, and CIV control. Really, I didn't think we would get that far for release one. If if it didn't have that feature, <laughs> then I think you could say that the whole thing was was really uh, ready for release. But uh, with with the audio and CIV, which everybody wants, uh, maybe we, we kind of fall into the beta territory on there. I don't know. Hard to say. It's uh, it's better than Phil makes it out to be, <laughs> because he knows what's in it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> There's bugs to be found, basically. So, yeah, it's a good good release candidate build, right? You know, you're feature freezing, so it uh, seems pretty confident that uh, you can call it an RC build. And, you know, maybe once uh, you get the, all the final bugs out of the, that build, you can GA it and call it a 1.0 release and have a have a really huge party. Oh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> will be one. That's great. So, uh, so speaking about that, are you... Uh, are you currently looking for more contributors, programmers, users, testers? What what are you looking to, for gaining right now? I mean, obviously your forum has exploded with growth and everything else. So obviously you're you're getting the user count. Are you looking for more 
individual testers with unique systems or or what are yeah, you looking for? Uh, yes to all. I mean, we really um, – <clears throat> the testing has been really helpful, especially with radios we don't have, right? Like the uh, ICR8600, their uh, SDR mm-hmm. receiver. We posted on Radio Reference asking if someone would try it out, and we got some immediate feedback that was very helpful. Um, and then there's a number of older radios, like the 7100 and the 7200. Not really that much older, I guess, but uh, they operate differently. We want to support those too, um, but I don't have either of those. So if someone can send me one or they can just uh, run the program and, and tell us what it does, that's always really helpful. We're always looking for radios. We're looking for uh, reports, bug reports, testing. In terms of uh, code contributions, definitely if uh, if you have experience doing this kind of stuff and you want to, as uh, Roland mentioned, submit a pull request, that's wonderful. So you can make a GitLab account, clone the repository, make your changes, and then submit them back to the project. And that's the way, that's the way we want to operate with that. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the code, we talked about the license. Uh, what is this? Uh, what is this written in? C plus plus. C plus plus. So there you go. It uh, and you're using the cute library for C plus plus. So if you're a coder familiar with that, <laughs> uh, definitely. And I'm assuming there's some low level, lower level stuff there too, right? And C that you have uh, packaged in there. Well, I mean, I, I call myself a C++ programmer, but really I'm a C programmer. So <laughs> a lot of the C++ you see would probably work fine in C in this project, <laughs> at least the stuff I've, I've committed, you know. Um, but really, uh, it's very modular. It's mm-hmm. extremely uh, modular. And uh, when Phil joined the project, he was actually working on a, a similar program where he had implemented a, the uh, network stack. and. Yeah. And I think one or two days' time, he was able to uh, hook what he had done into our program just by using the common uh, signals and slots that we had set up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about interoperability. I know I'd mentioned earlier on uh, uh, FL Rig and Hamlib and stuff like that, but uh, we know a lot of uh, a lot of other ham radio applications like logging programs and stuff uh, want some kind of access to the rig. Is this does this application provide access to logging applications for that uh, rig information? Or would you still suggest people using like an FL rig or uh, some other uh, piece of uh, rig control software to uh, allow their logger to connect? That's an excellent question. We have a uh, section in our user manual at WFU.org called sharing control. And that goes over this topic, but basically uh, for all platforms, we have one or two methods where a secondary program can connect in. For Linux and Mac, we have what's called a pseudo term, which is a terminal. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it looks like a serial port, right? But it's mm-hmm. actually a, a pretend serial port that connects into the program. And so you set up the pseudo term through WFU, and then other programs can connect into it just as they would a serial port. And the only minor challenge there is some programs won't let you type in the exact address of the pseudocom. So you may have to close the program, edit the preference file, don't tell the program, and just open it back up. Uh, and then you, you get through. The uh, And on, on Windows, we have to use uh, a com-to-com solution because of uh, driver signing and stuff like that. So there's a number of um, virtual serial port loopback devices you can install in Windows, and we support those. You can connect WFU to those, and then you're information just comes out the other side where another program can connect. And the other solution that we're working on, uh, Phil's doing this, is uh, a rig control D compatible server. So it will look like the uh, the Hamlib rig control D interface. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which a number of programs support connecting to. And so, yeah, we do recognize it's it's important to have the ability to run other programs at the same time, especially like uh, FL Digi if you're doing digital modes or a logging program if you like to log your contacts. Yeah, or our favorite mode to hate, right? Uh, FT8. Yeah. <laughs> WSJTX. I've never enjoyed that mode, but I know a number of people do, and so I respect that, and it does work. You can look on our uh, mailing list. A lot of people have asked about it. Yeah, and, know everybody uses it. Well, I don't, but I... <laughs> well, I must admit, my first QSO um, using w, um, using WFU was... You, was um, using WSJTX across the network into my 9700. So, uh, awesome. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of these other programs, like uh, logging programs, WSJTX, their needs for knowing what the radio is doing are very simple. They need to know the frequency and the mode and uh, maybe if there's you know, transmit control. And that, that's about it. And they can do it at a very slow rate compared to what WFU is trying to do with making a you know nice friendly user interface. Yeah, yeah, polling becomes a, <laughs> a variable there. Um, yeah, so uh, so I know uh, Russ has been sleeping on the side, but I'm slowly running out of specific questions. Russ, did you uh, have any new questions to uh, to throw into the mix here? No, I can't say that I do. It's been really interesting. I am looking forward to. I just I just built it while I was listening to all this, <laughs> so. Uh, I'm looking forward to get it to it. For some reason, I can't forward X onto my Mac. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, otherwise... Another it, issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise I've already been looking at the interface and uh, seeing what I can do with this thing, because my 7100, I definitely want to try this out with it and see see what it does so far. Um, so do you, do you guys... You, you sort of picked ICOM to start with to do this. Are you going to like branch it out and make it more like globally accessible to other radios and stuff like that? Or do you just see it as being ICOM only and uh, to hell with everybody else? Uh, we'd, we'd like to support other radios. Um, the, the difficulty is the command set. With ICOM, it's just so uh, nice and clean. You know, every like command packet has a to and a from address and a clear beginning and an end. So it's very easy to parse that data at a, a raw level, right? When we look at the COM port and we pull data out of it, we can tell if we got the middle of a packet or not, you know, because the, the formatting isn't correct. Um, but I would like to support other radios and uh, especially radios that can provide us like a spectrum display or something kind of interesting to look at um, or where there aren't a whole lot of other options. I think it'd be really cool to do that. I looked at the uh, LCraft K4 recently, for example, and it looks like it has a very rich command set, but I wasn't clear on if there's a way to get the spectrum data out. Um, I think what they give you on that radio is the INQ. So then you have to take the Fourier transform yourself and make the waterfall, which we could do. It's that kind of stuff would definitely be further down the road though, because we're really focused on stability here and, and supporting the you know the core five or six radios that we've defined on the website. But maybe. So why do you see the need for something like this? I mean, uh, presentation layer for radios that exist is it is it primarily for the network application or something like that? Or uh, I mean. Is a local companion view of your radio nice, or I just I'm curious on top of that because you're sort of creating an extra shim or an extra complexity for people who already have like Hamlib integration. There's a number of reasons. Uh, for one, there's accessibility for people who who can't see so well, and the touchscreen radios, which are so great for everyone else, are inaccessible if you can't see. That radio has nothing you can feel on the screen. 
there's no way to really uh, control it properly. So WFU provides them a way to access those radios. Uh, the second reason we really like it is, of course, the uh, open source software and Linux community, which has fewer options right now for radio control. They've got some, um, but I don't think uh, those solutions are as satisfying to use as this. This is written in C++, and uh, when the radio does something, the program responds instantly. If you have CIV transceive turned on and you just touch the knob on your radio, you will see WFU respond as fast as the screen on the radio. It's really a, a modern take on rig control that the other programs don't have. Um, other goals, of course, uh, yeah, the presentation stuff is really cool. And then we have the network control. And what we're doing here, and, and Phil is writing most of this code, is allowing a radio to be served on the network, even if it didn't come with network capability. For example, the IEC 7300, really excellent radio. It looks like the IEC 9700, but it doesn't have that ethernet jack in the back, right? But we have an almost plug and play solution here where you can run WFU on a Raspberry Pi, plug it in with the USB cord, plug ethernet into the other side, and now you have uh, the 7300 over your network for full control with audio. And we intend to support that uh, for any ICOM radio that has USB audio and USB CIV control. Oh, that's really interesting. And Bill, the, the project for the audio, what's the new thing? Um, the the post port, uh, pulse audio oh, thing? Oh, Pipewire. Pipewire, yeah. Are you guys, uh, you know, staying in tune with Pipewire and, and keeping that, or are you just kind of using its uh, ability to shim backwards into pulse audio currently? I'm not familiar with, with what that is, but our network protocol is going to be the same as what the rig natively supports, so it's really transparent to the user. All right. Let's see. I thought I had another question there, but it seems to have gone away. I, I will mention I did an S-trace on uh, on uh, WFU on my Fedora box here, which is running Pipewire and only has a uh, fakey shim for uh, Pulse Audio. I can see it trying to grab config files from Pulse Audio that don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we'll probably have to be something in the future uh that would have to have to kind of look at that yeah i'm guessing that's a cute that would be a cute qt or cute um feature um, yeah it's probably it's trying to natively find it and it doesn't yeah. it's like what is yeah. this <laughs> wfu has sort of no knowledge of uh of pulse audio or also yeah. or uh or anything really it's uh that's that's at the moment handled by uh by cute which we one of the reasons we're also looking at trying to move to a uh a different audio stack really for that because it's it, it does seem problematic at times uh, and I, I think they've just not really updated it um it's still using fairly old technology on windows mac and linux yeah probably lowest common denominator i can see that with a with a kind of a support everything library and we have, uh, you know, Roland here is insisting on low latency. I mean, he is uh, he is after us to make sure that we're well under 100 milliseconds, kind of in the, the 20 to 50 millisecond ballpark for most connections. And so uh, he won't let just anything slide for uh, a remote streaming of the audio. Well, a, C, a CW man, aren't you? So, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, are few, there are a few reasons why indeed CW is... One of them, but also the timing constraints with uh, the, the the digital modes are, uh, can be an issue. <clears throat> so if you have a delay of a second or something, uh, FTA won't work. Absolutely. Go ahead, Russ. 
Oh, I think I remembered what I was going to ask. It had to do with uh, documentation of things like the co-integrations and pseudo-TTYs and virtual comms and all that stuff. Uh, where do you go to get that and how good is it? Yeah, go to WFU.org and click on the user manual link at the top. And then you can either select the first link, which is a table of contents, or it's a drop-down, and you can just select uh, sharing control if you want to see how to share the control with other programs. We've got a, a manual page for each tab of the program right now. And then we also have a number of manual pages for uh, user uh, scenarios. Uh, for example, uh, remote operation, um, using older radios, keyboard shortcuts, uh, customizing the appearance. The whole thing is, is built on uh, style sheets and preferences, so you can customize the color of any widget you see in the program. Uh, serial port management, if you want to do the uh, UDEV rules for your radios and give them nice uh, serial port names in Linux, you can do that. Audio configuration, including like a uh, loopback, so you can get the audio coming out of WFU and either into your speakers or into a program like uh, FL Digi for decoding. We've, we've got a page for everything. And uh, if you find something we're missing, we'll add it because we want to make it really easy for people to see how to do things. It is true what they say, though, that hams don't read manuals. Oh, it's um, so true. <laughs> I mean, the number of, number of posts I've, had, I've replied to on the forum with just a link to the manual page. Or, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm just, I'll be honest, I'm just as bad. Yeah, same here. <laughs> we don't need no stinking manuals. I mean, you shouldn't. And WFU, we want to write it so you can just open it and use it, you know. But um, the fact is, a lot of the complexity that, that hams get themselves into, we're all guilty of this. You know, we want to connect this to that and not exactly the way you thought we were going to. It, it sort of demands complexity uh, in operation, too, unfortunately. Well, I was talking to a friend earlier, actually, who downloaded WFU, and, and he was quite surprised how he was able to just put the IP address of his 9700 in and click uh, and the username and password, click connect, and he got the waterfall uh, without any other... Uh, I mean, not not everyone's found it that quite that easy because one of the things we found is that things like Hamlib has it, that likes to disable CIV transceive mode that we use, which uh, does cause some issues. So people have been using a Hamlib based program they may need to manually turn that back on but we're, we're looking at ways of uh, getting around that at the moment i think that's all i had actually oh good <laughs> almost walked all over you there <laughs> all right so uh so yeah so we kind of got through license GitLab, uh contributors um yeah i think we we've, we've almost gone through everything um, I guess we'll, we'll go to our, our usual, we're almost near the end and let's try to bring up any topics we have forgot to mention and probably just go around the, uh, around the horn with all of you and kind of go ahead and talk about anything that we may have missed talking about that you think should be highlighted, uh, or stuff that would possibly be of interest to, uh, people wanting to run this or possibly support this. So, uh, we'll start with you, Elliot, and give us a whirl. Yeah, sure. First, thanks for having us. We're really enjoying this a lot. This is so fun. Um, if you haven't seen Kevin Laughlin's uh, YouTube video where he runs WFU and he connects to my 9700, that's worth a look if you want to understand the um, sort of the best use uh, usage case. It's really cool to see him do this. And, uh, you know, he talks about how it feels very alive and how difficult it was to set up and all that stuff. I learned a lot watching how he used it, too. That was that was pretty cool. So I would say check that out. Um, 
if you're interested in, in running the program, I mean, just go to the website, download it, and go to the getting started part of the user manual because you'll see how to set the radio up. There's a couple of controls that um, you can set up to make your life a little bit easier on the radio before you start WFU. You should do that. And uh, join the forum. We have a, a button on our website that says support. If you click there, you can view all the you know current traffic on the list, but you can also sign up and uh, participate. We'd really like to hear people telling us their success and, and what doesn't work too, because uh, we want to make it easy to use. That's a, a big goal of the project here. And if you open up programs like, uh, oh, I don't know, like SDR Uno or some of these other SDR programs, they're so complicated. I almost feel intimidated looking at them, you know, and I want to make sure that WFU isn't that way. I want to have all the sophistication in there, but I want you to open it up and see controls you're familiar with and uh, be able to just kind of start using it right away like Phil was talking about. So that's, that's important to me. And so I'd like to hear from everybody who uses it, uh, what they think about it. Great. And uh, Phil, go ahead. I think Elliot's covered most things. One thing that I that is on, on our roadmap that um, I'm quite looking yeah, because one of the main features I see is remote, being able to remote control radios. Uh, and at the moment, audio is sent pretty much in, in, in sort of raw PCM format across the network, which isn't the most efficient. Um, so I'm I'm keen to investigate adding some compression, maybe, whether it's Opus or or Speaks or some, you know, something along that, that those lines to uh, to try and reduce the the amount of network traffic required. And, and most modern PCs now have got enough uh, uh, sort of power to uh, to do to process that in real time. So, well, that's that's what. Um, that's what they're designed for isn't it we are looking at uh supporting some hardware interfaces as well for you know, vfo knobs and things so whether whether that's something like the rc28 or um or you know we've also talked about sort of midi midi devices so we've got lots of plans that's why we've got this sort of long-term roadmap that uh roland keeps for us of all the uh, ideas that uh that get thrown out on a <laughs> on whatsapp so that's about it really <laughs> awesome roland uh, yeah, well, I <clears throat> so uh, Phil was talking about the roadmap. Um, we might be interesting to know that we are thinking of um, some additional features in the next uh, in the next release, like uh, custom filtering, dual scopes, um, enhanced satellite mode setup, memory management, and stuff. So uh, we're actually uh, going to do pretty cool stuff in the future, I hope, especially with uh, Elliot and Phil, obviously. So uh, <clears throat> I think that's uh, that's also worthwhile to mention uh, that we are uh, having, uh, yeah, I think uh, nice plans. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds great. <laughs> it's definitely an exciting project, uh, and uh, I know uh, I know there's many users out there <laughs> who have always wanted to grab that spectrum scope and and put it on their computer and stuff like that beyond just plugging a uh, you know. Uh, a VGA to the back of the back of the the radio, like some of the ICOM radios allowed you to do, and be able to control the rig without having to, uh, you know, drop another uh, you know C note on uh, on buying the RBS one or whatever RBA one or SBA one. <laughs> Can never remember that. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is an awesome uh, awesome project, and it sounds like uh, you guys are. Uh, well-organized uh, development team. <laughs> uh, it's nice to appear that way. Yeah, I know. It sounds good. I mean, you guys are clicking all the 
all the check boxes that I can think of for a for a dev team, you know, especially having a, a solid uh, solid QA and triage person is a uh, is uh, always the key to success. Because <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> for sure, I know I would. Yeah, yeah, you can go find that rabbit hole and just keep on uh, keep on going down it. So, uh, yeah, this is this is awesome. So, uh, everyone uh, everyone that has one of these rigs, try it out. If you have one of the rigs in the upcoming uh, upcoming support list, or possibly right now on the master branch, if you're willing to to try it out, uh, I guess that would be at owners of the seventy one hundred, Russ. We're talking to you. Get that thing hooked up. <laughs> the 7600, 7700. Um, and I have used those before. Those are good radios. The 706 is on the list there, too. I'm assuming you'll be pulling audio from some other device, like, yeah. uh, like a signal link or something like that. Let me talk about that for a second. So I, I really wanted to support the 706 because there's so little software that does. And I have one in my truck. So I thought, well, it'd be cool to support this. Um, but they don't have a push-to-talk command. And it turns out a lot of the older icon radios don't have that. That's a layer of complication I didn't anticipate there. So if you plug it into a 706, what you're going to see is it tracks the frequency and you can you can change frequencies, bands, and modes as you would expect. But that's about it. So if somebody really wanted to uh, go after that radio, maybe a Raspberry Pi with a GPIO to the push-to-talk and like a yeah, CDM-118 uh, sound card would do the trick. Yeah, I think I have two 703s here. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm a QRP guy, uh, <laughs> you can send them over. You can send them over to, uh, to Elliot. Yeah, I'll yeah. send one over. <laughs> no, seriously though, if anyone wants a radio supported and they can send it to one of us, we can have it supported in about two weeks. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like the 703 uh, through WSJTX has to, or through FL rig, it does a does a cat control for the uh, PTT. It doesn't use. Uh, audio detect like a walk a vox circuit or something like that so i would i would i would have thought that it would have had a civ uh, command for uh, push to talk a lot of those radios use like the uh you know ready to send uh lines oh rts dts yeah okay yeah which is a good way to go you know it's just uh not every adapter is going to have that yeah so you have to talk on the uh the serial side of things instead of the civ side right but could you imagine like a little uh even like an Arduino sitting on top of the 706 or 703 intercepting the command for PTT. And it, it sees that command come over the line and it, it keys the radio. could be that simple. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's interesting. I, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to think about that. You know, there's so, many, uh, <laughs> there's so many rigs out there that would make really good remote radios, especially these radios that are getting a little bit old. Maybe the, the screen is faded or uh, the backlight doesn't work anymore or the knobs are getting kind of flaky. Uh, if we can support those radios, so you plug them in and you've got a remote ops, how cool would that be? You know, you can go hide one in, in a building or in a uh, repeater cabinet somewhere and run a wire out, and then you can remotely access that radio. Yeah, and, you know, we know that uh, remote remoting your ham radio is a, is a very popular topic. <laughs> Definitely. Every, everybody's wanting to talk about it, and there are many, many options out there. But, you know, you listen to people doing this, and they've got solutions like this. Well, I have... My old Windows XP machine running a Ham Radio Deluxe, the old free version, with TeamViewer and uh, Skype. And it's like, yes, that could work, but, you know, it's just a COM port, right? It would go over a modem. It's such a small amount of data. We don't need the complexity of a, a Windows machine with a screen sharing program to do this. We can just 
shuttle the COM port data over a, a, a TCP IP connection and the audio and we're done. And so I, I would like to see more hams embracing open source in general, especially because, you know, the spirit of our operation is we, we have schematics, we have diagrams, we have uh, understanding of the technology we're using. And so Linux speaks to that really well. Um, but also stuff like this should be simple. And so we, we hope we can do that with, you know, Raspberry Pi and stuff like that and make the remote ops thing a much better uh, road than it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And and um, hopefully, you know, at some point we hope hope to be able to even release uh, a, an ins- a basic uh, SD card image for the Pi that people can literally just plug in, um, connect to their radio and uh, have a, have a, a WFU server running within minutes. That's that's the plan anyway. Yeah, it would be really awesome. I'm just thinking about it now. Is that that thing just pops up as a as a web page on the device, <laughs> and you get the you know audio through uh what WebRT uh, RTC or something like that? <laughs> well, yeah, we've we've looked at the possibility of that of um, having some sort of web server as well. Um, so it's definitely definitely an option. Yeah, and Qt is obviously uh, there to uh, do that as well. So. <laughs> So the interface should be pretty easy to transport over, uh, and you'd have uh, probably the best, uh, one of the better rig pi or I mean, whatever those many different names <laughs> of so- projects that are out there right now for the uh, Raspberry Pi that uh, would provide access to it. That would uh, that would that would be really really neat. Well, uh, that's, uh, I think we have covered all the topics. We have gone around the horn and talked about some other stuff. Uh, is there anything else that uh, we should add before we uh, graciously thank you guys for uh, for coming on here? I can't think of anything. No. Let's take a look over at the chat room as well. I don't know if Russ has been watching over there. It's been quiet because this is, again, an odd recording time for us. It looks like uh, not much is going on over there. <laughs> we do have a couple of listeners. Uh, Russ, did you want to go over that? I can do that. I did throw a couple of... Uh... People who are, I think, listening, I did see Dan, uh, KB6NU, connect to the server like twice during the recording, so I'm assuming he's trying to listen if, <laughs> if he's not actually listening. Uh, but we had uh, Bobo Link in uh, the Discord. We had John, K1BTZ. We had Tony, K4XSS. We had Dan, KB6NU, and we had The Menace. <laughs> menace. The menace. Very scary. wonder, wonder if it's scary. Dennis. <laughs> But yeah, those are the folks we had in the chat room. There, there wasn't a lot of chat, which means, or must mean, that the conversation was just really interesting, and no one had uh, time to think of anything interesting to, to comment on because they were just wrapped with, uh, <laughs> with the WFU project. So we'll, we'll we'll go with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm I'm actually looking forward to jumping on my Shack computer here now that I've got WFU built and uh, see how it looks with my IC7100, which is one of those uh, up-and-comers in the WFU world. And let us know, because it's probably not going to work the first time you try it, since you'll be one of the first ones to do so. Well, that's all right. I've, I've uh, been doing this a long time, so if it blows up, you know, first time around, I'm pretty sure I can work it out. <laughs> all right. All right, well... Yeah, he's much better than I am. I break stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yes. Thank, thank you, all of you guys, uh, for being here. Uh, Roland, uh, Phil, and Elliot, we really appreciate you guys coming on and telling us about the project. 
when I was probably out of the room when you said it, but when does the project start? Just just for my own edification. And well, end of last year, I guess, for uh, for the for us together, right? Okay, so yeah. yeah, so it's really really new project. Good, I'm glad we we were able to jump in sort of on the ground floor of this and uh, looking forward to see where it goes. Yes, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see what the first non-ICOM radio that's supported by this project is. I'm, I'm waiting to see what that is. <laughs> it's the first one that gets sent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're hoping it's something really big, really expensive. So like the first... Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, send them a 101D or whatever well, those that, things well, are. That, right? Oh, gosh. There's that with the size of half a house, isn't there? That, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 980 or something. I don't even know what the number is. But, uh, incidentally, I'm just looking on the, the downloads, and so far, this is for all platforms, but we've had, had of the pre-built binaries, had nearly 3,000 downloads. So uh, it's, uh, it's certainly, definitely some interest there anyway. And all of them over the last I'm 45 two, minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me, re yeah. and download, download, download. No. So we, did have, we did have a bot in China doing that, uh, but they weren't counted. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it then, guys. We really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on and uh, spending time with us uh, at your various uh, locations around the world. And uh, I know it's uh, probably dinner time or even later for some of you all. Yeah. Well, it's just gone seven o'clock for me. Or... Yeah, time to get something good to eat then. Yeah, definitely. And that has been a, a little bit of a challenge working with uh, guys, you know, spread across the globe. But it's like uh, every night around uh, midnight or one o'clock in the morning, I get on and uh, these guys are, are getting on, starting their day. And we have our little caucus about what we're working on. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, usually, then we usually go to I it. Get, every time when I get up, I look at my phone and there's about 100 WhatsApp messages. So. I know, I know that Elliot's been busy overnight. <laughs> Same here, Phil. Yeah. Could be worse for you, Elliot, because you're the one who has to get up early. <laughs> I've seen moments of 180 plus, actually, when Phil was uh, busy through the night. Yeah. It was really awesome. Yeah, so I'd go back through them all in the uh, in the morning, though, and work out whether there's anything you need to reply to. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, I hope we can revisit with you guys maybe in six or eight months or something like that, see where the project is is then and where it's headed, and uh, look forward to testing it out myself and hope everybody else does, goes to WFU.org and uh, tries this for sure, especially, well, at least currently, if you have an ICOM radio. That'd be great. And if you have, a, if anybody has a 703 or 706 or 9700 or something they want to send to the guys, go for it. <laughs> Definitely. There's no feedback. I, I looked through the email while we were going through the show here, and we don't have any feedback this time. So that actually brings us to the end. I guess we'll go ahead and close this one out. This has been episode number 412 of Linux in the Hamshack, a deep dive into the WFU project. Thanks, everybody, for being here, and thanks, everybody, for listening. For the On Assignment Cheryl W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8 p.m. 
Central Time plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine oh nine LHS show. That's one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>